0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm either going to have to go fast or cut it short, aren't I? Or the Lord the Lord can touch my voice. That's the preferred alternative, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord. Paul prayed about it three times that it might depart from me. And God said to Paul, not what he wanted to hear, not what his flesh wanted to hear, but rather God said this, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My grace is enough for my strength, my strength, God told Paul, is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul made a decision. He said, you know what? Because of that, I get it. So most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory, I'm going to welcome my weaknesses, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I'm going to add the word more. Could I tell you tonight, the weaker you are, The more helpless you feel, the greater God can move and work for you in your life. God, we want your will to be done in this so vitally important part of why we're gathered here tonight, this service, and that is we want to hear you talk to us. We want to hear your word, your voice as you speak to us. God, just help us to get it. Help us to get it real good. Help us to understand it real good and take away from here tonight what you would have us to from the word of god that it might change our lives and that we might be blessed by what you want to say to our hearts tonight we ask it all and thank you for it all in jesus name and somebody said amen Amen. god bless you you may be seated i'm going to talk to you tonight about the power of weakness the power of weakness If you are here tonight and right now in your life, an adequate description of your life and the condition of your life would be to say, I am weak. If that would be a good description of you, whether we're talking about physically in your body, emotionally, got emotions that are uh, in your heart you're dealing with that cause you to think that or perhaps There's trouble at home, perhaps relationship problems or or, or just a financial malady that's facing you. But if you could say tonight, you know what, Pastor, I'm weak tonight and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling that weakness. If that is the case for you this evening, I've got news that is good for you. Some good news. And that is this. God always has and always will have an affinity for the weak. He has a soft spot in his heart for those who are weak. Could I just put it like this? God is attracted to you when you're weak. And he especially is attracted to people who know that they're weak. You can be weak and not know it. You can have shortcomings and problems and, and uh, areas in your life that really ought to be better and ought to be different and not know it. If that's the case, then you're in bigger problem than just having the problem. But God created us, and He knows our condition better than we know ourselves. He knows that we humans tend to be weak. It was Jesus Himself who said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation, <clears throat> for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak." <clears throat> what does that mean? I think I will take some water tonight, Brother Wayne, if, if you could get me some water. <clears throat> uh, those of you that are watching online, don't listen to this, what I'm about to say for about the next 10 seconds. I'm almost tempted to tell Brother Wayne to make it a Pepsi, but I haven't gone that far yet. I've had several people tell me, Brother Edwards, so you just ought to go ahead and do it. No, uh, I'm, I've held off all these many years. I guess I'll continue to. Uh, we are so opposed to being in a state of weakness, okay? We don't like that. It grates against our flesh nature. Uh, I guess that's because one reason anyhow is because we've always taught to be strong. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, as it were. You've heard that. Uh, Weakness is bad. Uh, When you can say somebody is weak or just whatever the words you use may be, uh, say, uh, in other words, somebody has a weakness in their life, then automatically most of us think negative about that person. Thank you, brother. Uh, We think, you know, that that person is deficient somehow. They're not where they need to be. They're not what they ought to be. We don't like being weak because it makes us vulnerable. And again, it's a part of our flesh nature to resist being vulnerable. We don't like to be vulnerable. Uh, And we are vulnerable when we're weak, if... And it's a big if, if we're in that weakness without God. Because you see, we've got to remember that in God's economy, things are just the opposite many times from the way we think they are, the way our flesh thinks they are, particularly the way the world thinks they are. Because the world thinks totally the opposite from God and the way he thinks a lot of the time. You remember, God says in his word, That his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Because his ways and thoughts are incredibly, incomparably higher than our ways and thoughts. And so God says, in his way of looking at things, sometimes he says weakness can be good. Weakness in God's economy really sometimes can be a good thing. Now, it can be very bad. It can harm us when we're in weakness without God, when we're not allowing God the freedom to have His way about things and handle things His way. But when we've got God on our side, and I'm not just talking about just being saved. I'm talking about people that are saved, born again of the water and of the Spirit, which, by the way, it's going to be my privilege to baptize Tony tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus. At the close of this service, give the Lord a hand. And that's so very important to be born again of the water when you're baptized in Jesus' name, and of the Spirit when you receive the Holy Ghost. But being weak can happen to those of us that have had that experience. We can still be weak. We can still not handle things God's way. But when we've got God on our side, if we let Him, be in that situation, what he wants to be, what he knows he needs to be, then we're in the best shape we can possibly be in, in the best position we could possibly have when we are in a weakened position because the less that we try to do in that condition, the less we try to do things in our own strength using our will doing things our way, the more, the less we do that, the more God is free to work in our behalf. I'm reminded very quickly of the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. How I mean, many of you remember Gideon? He was one of the uh, first judges. Well, maybe I didn't give you a chance to raise your hand. That's okay. Uh, I know a lot of you have heard of Gideon. He was a judge in the Old Testament after Uh, Moses (coughs) died, Joshua became the leader of Israel. And uh, would it hurt anybody in here to turn the volume up just a little bit? I don't normally do this, but uh, if I'm going to make my way through this all the way to the end, I'm going to have to have something different. Um, Oh, that's much better. Maybe you won't have to turn it up. Gideon was one of the first in a long line of men, and there was one lady, who were called judges, and they were uh, God's representative to the people of Israel. First, there was Moses that came out of Egypt. Moses died, and then Joshua took his place, and after Joshua came the judges, and they were... They weren't like a judge that we think of today sitting in a courtroom on the bench, passing down sentences or making decisions about criminals. Uh, The word judge has different meanings. And in this case, uh, the judges in the Old Testament were men and, like I said, women who imparted the word of God to the people. They were God's spokesperson. They told the people what God wanted to say to the people of Israel. And Gideon was one of those people, and uh, God used him in a mighty way. God sent an angel to him one day. And at the time, Israel was, uh, they were, as they did often many times in the Old Testament, They were backslidden, and because of that God had done what He promised He would do when they turned away from Him and did not worship Him and follow Him as the one true God. He had backed off, withdrawn His hand of blessing from them, and they were uh, in captivity. They were actually fighting. They weren't in captivity yet, but they were uh, at war with their enemies who were trying to overrun them and conquer them. and. They were in dire need of God's attention, and God sent an angel to talk to Gideon and said, I've decided to deliver the people from their enemy, and you're going to be the man that's going to get the job done. You're going to be the leader at the forefront of it. God has always and as long as he continues to operate in the earth until the Bible is fulfilled and we move into whatever the future holds beyond what the Bible prophesies about, God will continue to do things this way, and that is he will deal with his people by speaking to them through men and women of God. It was Moses, and then it was Joshua, and then it was these judges, and then it was... Uh, Prophets, uh, the people, as they did oftentimes, God's people in the Old Testament tried every once in a while to do it different than the way God wanted it done. And you always get in trouble when you do that. They said, we want a king to be our leader. And God didn't want them to have a king because he said the same thing's going to happen to you that's happened to the nations round about you. It's only going to be bad for you. The king is going to lead you down roads you shouldn't go. He's the kings. Some of the kings uh, are going to lead you away from me and worshiping false gods and idols. You don't need a king, but they persisted. And so God did as he does sometimes with us. He lets us have our way even when he knows it's not best for us. I think God does that sometimes just because he loves us. How many of us? I'm in that boat. I'm guilty. How many of us have uh, given our kids something that we know they really didn't need, whether it was that candy too close to dinner time that would spoil their appetite so they wouldn't eat the things that their body really needed or something far more serious than that. Maybe that set of wheels when they turned 16 that they really would have been better for them to wait a couple of years before they got, when they had a little bit more wisdom in their heart. But God gave them a king, and uh, sure enough, what God said would happen, happened. But God speaks to His people through a human representative. This isn't my notes, but I feel in the Holy Ghost to go this direction. In the New Testament, it started out with the men of God who served as apostles, and then uh, it evolved into the gifts to the church the apostle says writing and I believe it's Ephesians God has given to the church apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers and usually pastor and teacher are interchangeable or most of the time not always but usually they are one and the same <clears throat> most pastors have the gift of teaching and that's how God speaks to us. That's how God directs us and leads us. Not that we shouldn't read the Bible for ourselves and talk to God for ourselves and get direction and words from God on our own. But God gives us the man of God, whoever it might be, and uh, whatever dispensation we live in, which not right now is the church dispensation. And in this dispensation, God has given us pastors. And uh, the Bible says, obey them that have rule over you. That's talking about pastors. And then it says the reason why we should do that. It's because they watch for your soul, that they may give an account. When we stand before God, someday we are going to have to, you and I are given an account before God. I'm going to have to give an account as to how much and how closely I yielded to him, how close I walked to him so I could hear his voice and relay that word that he spoke to me to you and you're going to have to give an account on how well you followed and did what I said God wants you to do. So we'll, we'll see how that happens or what happens when we get there, won't we? But I said all that to say this. Gideon, uh, as many men of God, didn't really want the job. He really didn't want to uh, be God's Go between between the go between between God and God's people. He didn't really want to be the liaison, on the leader and tell them what to do. But God said, uh, "There's got to be a, a battle that's fought to defeat these guys, the enemy, uh, whether they were the Amalekites or the Amorites. I can't remember exactly now who they were." Uh, but God said. I'm not going to just wipe them off the face of the earth. I'm going to do, and God does this so much of the time. He uses natural means to get a supernatural job done. Uh, God could immediately heal you and I of every sickness and disease the second we are prayed for. But he doesn't always choose to do that. Sometimes God chooses to use the help of medical science doctors medicine and so forth and that's all right God said to Gideon my people are gonna be delivered from this people their enemies by fighting them I'm not gonna just wipe them off the earth I'm, they're gonna have to my, my soldiers for the Israelites you're gonna have to go into battle fight them you're gonna be the leader but I'm gonna do it in such a way that everybody the Israelites, the enemy, and everybody else who hears about this will know that I did it that, so God would get all the glory. So he said, here's what I want you to do. Gideon, I want you to, and I'm skipping the fun part of the story about how Gideon still didn't want to do it. And he said, if this is really uh, of God, he told the angel, I'm going to put out a fleece, which is a, lamb, a, 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 a lamb's fur or skin. What does a lamb have? Whoa. Uh, I'm going to put out a fleece of wool on the ground and let everything be wet in the morning from the dew but the fleece. And God did that. And so, there's your answer, Gideon. It's me. And Gideon said, that's not enough. I am telling the story, aren't I? And so, he said, no, that's not good enough. Let's do it again tonight in the morning when I wake up. Let only the fleece of the wool, the wool be wet and everything else dry. So, God did that. So, finally Gideon said, okay, reluctantly. And he led the men of Israel into battle. And uh, God did it in a really weird way. He said, I want you to tell them to get a lamp, which was just a a pot with uh, some of the sides knocked out so you could put a candle in it. That was their lamp. Uh, We would call it probably more like a lantern and a horn to make noise. And then uh, at the right time, when I give the signal, tell them to swoop down upon the enemy from the hillsides, break The lamp, so you've got this crashing sound, and the light all of a sudden appearing. uh, by, oh yeah, I forgot part of the story where Gideon had thousands of men in the army, but God said, "Uh uh, not going to do it. I'm just going to take a few hundred men." And so they went through a long process. I won't tell that part of the story, how that God weeded them out till it was just a few hundred men again, so that God would get the glory. And and they blew their horn, broke the lanterns, and came down. And the Bible does say. Now, you're you're thinking, how did God use those 300 or 600 men, however many it was, to defeat those thousands of enemy soldiers? Well, he did supernaturally. After they did what they were supposed to do, the Israelite soldiers, God caused the enemy soldiers to turn on one another and to begin to kill one another. And thousands of them were killed that way. God wants us to get a very important point from that story. And it's this, the smaller our resources, the greater God can become. Now, we know God doesn't get greater. He's the same always. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. His power is just as great today as it was with Gideon and as it will be throughout the rest of uh, time and eternity. But God gets greater or less depending on us depending on how we will allow him to be great for us in our situation. And so the smaller that we are, the more we know we can't do it. The weaker we realize that we are, the more we realize that we're we're finished, we're done for if it's up to us and our resources, the more God is free to work in our behalf and, and, and do what needs to be done and give us the victory. Amen. Because the less we have to work with, that means the less there is of us to get in God's way and the more he can do. Praise God. Uh, I want to talk about Paul's words in 2 Corinthians in the text that we read. Very few of us think of of weakness and things wrong with us. Now, Paul had this weakness. There's been debate among Bible scholars about what it was. Some say it was his poor eyesight. But it wasn't that. I'll tell you that I, excuse me, I know 100% what it was. You know why? Because Paul tells us what it is. He said it it was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, a demonic spirit from hell, to attack him. Now, we don't know the exact details of how that demon attacked Paul, but we know that he did it. And Paul considered this to make him weak. It, it, It let Paul realize his frailty as a human being that in his own strength and in his own power, he wasn't really all that. He wasn't all that powerful and he wasn't all that strong. And, and one of the greatest deceptions that the enemy will try to get us to believe, and, and, and the older I get, the more I pastor people, the more I become aware how absolutely vile and, and, and terrible and horrible the, the weapon of deception is the weapon that the enemy uses against God's people. He uses it against people who are lost to keep them from being saved. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of them that believe not. But when you get saved, it's not like the devil is told to stay away and no longer try to deceive you. In fact, truth be told, I, I, I don't wonder if he goes into high gear with God's people in trying to deceive us. And we need to understand that. We need to realize that. And one of the greatest things, uh, points of deception, is to get us to believe we can do it in our own ability. The world around us preaches that philosophy, but God tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, lean not on your own understanding. Don't depend on you. And what you know, and what you think you can accomplish, and what you think you can do. But what does he say? In all your ways acknowledge God so that he can direct your path. So so weakness, weakness, what is weakness? It comes to us in many forms. Uh, you will find uh, weakness in your life, and I will from time to time, in, in some surprising ways, some surprising Uh, avenues the weakness that we may have to deal with could be physical that's one that we think about a lot when anything attacks our health it gets our attention immediately does it not I'm finding the older I get the more that's true but uh, we could be uh, in a state of weakness through a physical weakness it could be emotional or even spiritual Uh, and so God wants to help us with those weaknesses he wants to help us with the frustrations that come with being weakness peter said this peter said humble yourself under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you at the proper time casting all your care upon him because he cares for you and these words much like those that paul wrote give us an insight uh, to help us, to lead us into being strong when we're weak by doing it God's way. So how do we do that? Let's talk about the weakness that we have and how we can deal with it, Uh, how we can function when things are crashing down around us and when it seems like our world is going to break and fall apart. Uh, Shouldn't we, in our flesh, and we naturally want to, We ask ourselves this question, shouldn't we try to hold everything together? Shouldn't we uh, try to not let anything slip beyond our control, beyond our grasp? Uh, And some people that are listening tonight may think that's the right thing to do. It's not. How many remember what the old timers used to say? Just let go and let God. Let me complete that. Let go and let God have his way. Most of us know what it's like, what it feels like to be disappointed, don't we? We know uh, the painfulness of being embarrassed and being rejected, and we know the sorrow that comes with failure and the stigma, uh, stigmatism that's attached to all of those things. But regardless of the level of control that we may have over our lives, there always comes a time when it seems like, the, the settings on the stove of life just get too high and they stay there beyond our control, and the pots begin to boil over and the tops come off, flying off because our life has reached a boiling point and we can't do anything about it. Regardless of what our situation may be, we've got to remember this principle. Of God. We can trust in this principle. Whatever may bring you to your knees in your time of weakness, that thing, whatever it is that you hate, that's making you feel weak, that carries the greatest potential you may ever have for your personal success in life and your greatest spiritual victory. There is no problem that God can't solve. And we know that, but how often do we live our lives according to that knowledge? The problem is when our weakness doesn't bring us to our knees. That's the real problem, when we don't turn to God and turn to to Him wholly and fully and completely, giving it all to Him. Nobody enjoys feeling weak, whether it's emotional or physically or spiritually. There's something in our spirit that wants to resist that and resist even the thought of weakness. And a lot of times, that's nothing more than our pride. Again, it goes back to our flesh nature. Pride, uh, though, carries as much or even more potential for defeating us as the weakness does. Now, let me say that again. Pride may bring us down quicker and, and, and further down worse than what the weakness is that we're dealing with and want to get rid of. Pride cannot coexist with God's spirit, with his love, and with his humility. Pride was Satan's downfall, and it's, it, it's the one thing, it's the one element that we have got to, to be aware of we've got to be on the lookout for we've got to pray I think it's good to pray every day God show me if I've got pride in my spirit in my makeup because it's the one thing that's got to be removed if we want to experience peace in our lives the peace that comes from our intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so as long as pride is there there's always going to be distance between you and God Uh, And this happens because pride resists the nature of God. It resists. God is humble. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly. He says, uh, come unto me and rest. And I'm going to give you rest that the world can't give you. And in that little dissertation there, he says, I am meek and lowly. In fact, the scripture says, I don't remember where it is, there was not a man who ever lived on the face of earth that was more humble than Jesus Christ was. That's an attribute of God. So as long as pride is involved, there's going to be distance between us and God. Because uh, our nature doesn't like to be humbled. Uh, And that's the very thing that God calls on us to be in uh, James chapter 4. Instead of moving you towards God, pride will separate you from God. By tempting you to try to be strong with your own strength and not in the strength of God." You say, well, I don't reject the strength of God. Brother Edwards, I really don't try. I don't think that I do. I don't try to not have the strength of Christ in me and use uh, God's strength. Well, you may not think that you are, but here's how, again, you can be deceived. If you are trying to do it your way in your own strength and your own power, then even if you don't know you are, you are trying to do it without God. Paul learned a valuable lesson in this area, and let's get to the text that we read. He, let me give you some background. He, um, Paul was a Jew. If I could use this phrase, and you understand it, he was a Jew's Jew. Uh, That's just a way of saying he was the best there was. He was proper. He was educated. He knew it all. Uh, He was trained by one of the greatest scholars in Jewish culture and thought in his time. Uh, If you could compare it to modern day education standards, uh, they didn't do it this way back then. But if Paul lived today, here's what you would say about him. He had every bachelor's degree in Jewish theology and every master's degree and every doctorate degree that is available, uh, that would be available on planet earth. That would be Paul. That would be how you describe his education and his training and who he was as a theologian and as a scholar of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, The man that he sat at. Uh, his feet, who was the greatest uh, greatest scholar of all time, was Gamaliel. He's mentioned in Acts. And uh, in fact, Gamaliel even talks to the uh, religious leaders of the Jews and tells them they need to back off uh, these Christians. Uh, they, he says, if they're of God, and he was a very smart man and apparently wise, at least he was wise when he said this. It's recorded in the book of Acts. He told the high priest and the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were wanting to, kill, uh, beat, kill the, uh, John and Peter and the rest of the apostles for preaching Jesus. He told them, he told these guys, he said, look, if, uh, if they're not of God, then it, it'll pass. You don't have to do anything about it. It'll fade into history, just like, and he named two or three other prominent men who rose to prominence and, and tried to lead away people from the Jewish uh, culture And society. He said, they're all history now, aren't they? He said, if they're not of God, it'll pass. If they are of God, you can't fight against it because you're not going to win. Very wise advice. And Paul sat at that man's feet and learned of Jewish theology and the law of the Old Testament, the scripture. Uh, Now, God saw that Paul practiced what he knew Judaism. And Old Testament Jewish worship, he was, he was a good boy growing up, and he was a good man. He understood the elements of the law, and he practiced them with the greatest zeal possible. But God started to bring him down and break him down, which we all have to have happen. The best way for it to happen is for us to recognize our need to be humbled before God and to humble ourselves That's the way God prefers to do it because that's the easiest on us way to do it. But some of us, as is true in a lot of different areas of life, some people have to learn lessons the hard way, don't they? Well, what is learning the lesson of being humble before God the hard way. It's, it's sticking to our guns, sticking to what our pride tells us to stick to, and saying we can do it our way. God knew that Paul was way up there, and he had to break him down. And so he started at his conversion. When Paul was on, a, on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, apostolics, the Lord rolled back the heavens with a bright light, knocked Paul off of his animal that he was riding a a donkey or whatever it may have been knocked him to the ground blinded him he couldn't see and uh, The men who were with him were scattered and they didn't hear the voice that God spoke to Paul from heaven with this blinding light He spoke to Paul had a conversation with him and Paul began to get his first lesson in becoming humble before God Uh, so That changed his life, and he no longer viewed the world around him and religion and God through human eyes. But God gave him a very, very much spiritual insight that surpassed anything he had ever known up until this point. But still, apparently, Paul had to be broken down some more, and he had to have some more barriers, another barrier pushed through so that so that uh, God could use Paul in the great ways that God intended to use him in the future. Remember all the the things that Paul did. He wrote half of the books of the New Testament. He was the first missionary sent out of uh, Judea, to other parts of the world. He evangelized basically single-handedly. Well, he took people with him, and then they began to preach the word. But he was the instigator, the initiator, of taking the gospel to all of Asia Minor and all of Europe. And he did that in his short lifetime. And so God was going to use him mightily. The greater God wants to use you, the lower you have to go, the more humble you have to be. And so, Paul had to be broken down even further so that God could use him even greater. And like everybody else, Paul faced temptation. He wasn't spared affliction. And one of these we read about in 2 Corinthians 12 was so severe, uh, it was severe enough for him to pray three times. And Paul was the kind of man who was close enough to God that he knew one prayer. Should have been sufficient. I'm sure that Paul had many prayers answered for him after asking just one time. He was a man with that much faith and he was that close to God. But here it says Paul had to pray three times. Once that didn't work, twice that didn't work. So Paul prayed three times and he stopped then. Because he was smart enough, he was close enough to God to understand that if God wasn't going to answer his prayer after three times, there wasn't any use in asking anymore. That something was going on above his uh, pay level, above his rank in God's army that was hidden to him, and he didn't know what was going on. And so he went to God, and he asked God. He talked to God about it, and God told him this— He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When we are humbled, whether we humble ourselves, which is the best way, which is the least painful to us, God would rather us humble ourselves because we don't have to learn the lesson the hard way. We don't have to go through junk, the storm." The test, the trial, I preached about that Sunday, I believe. That's really not what God prefers. He prefers for us to see what we need to change about ourselves, and us go ahead and do it. Just get it done. But sometimes our flesh prevails and won't let us do that, will it? And so uh, God had to do that with Paul. He gave him this affliction. Uh, this messenger from Satan to Buffet. The word Buffet means woke somebody up. I hope I'm not getting in trouble with our sound guy. Um, Buffet means exactly the way it sounds. It means to pummel, to beat over and over. And apparently God allowed, the devil cannot do anything to you. God does not allow say, well, why? Well, I don't know the why in every situation, but just remember this. God knows what he's doing. He loves you enough to do whatever's necessary to get you to heaven. So he's going to allow stuff, bad stuff to come our way if he knows that it's necessary to get us to heaven. This messenger from Satan was allowed to buffet Paul. And uh, Paul, you know, he he could have, and at one point he did in Scripture, not here, but Uh, He could have, at this point, talked about the long litany, the list of his accomplishments, the great things he had done for God and God's kingdom. But he didn't do that. In this book, to the church at Corinth, he was writing a letter here, 2 Corinthians. He told them, he chose to tell them what he believed was the key to experiencing a victorious life, that he had learned through this experience with the messenger from Satan. And that was this, to accept weakness so that the strength of God can fully flow into us and do the job. He was writing to them about living a completely surrendered life to Jesus Christ. He said in verse 9, put that up, brother. Terry, if you would. He said, Uh, he said unto me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. You don't need me to take away this affliction from you. My grace is good enough for, and here's why, my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you're weak, then I'm strong. Then you allow me to be strong. Most gladly, Paul says, therefore, I'm going to glory. I'm going to welcome. This is a good thing. God put more of this junk on me if it will give me more power of Christ, if this will give me more power of God to use in my life for your kingdom. We are called, folks, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, did I give you Philippians 4, uh, verse 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did I give you Psalm 18, 32? It's God that girds, that surrounds He dresses me up with strength and he makes my way perfect. <clears throat> Now, now God knows until we come to the end of ourselves. What does that mean, Pastor? Until we reach the point where we understand we can't do it in our own strength and power. We've got to let God do it. And really what that means is we've got to do it God's way. That's the key. That's the key. So many of us. Many times say, well, I'm letting God do it. I'm praying, God, you do this. I can't do it. But then we don't understand that coupled with that and a part of doing that is letting God have his way in that situation. Let God do what he wants to do. Let God show us how we should act and speak and think that's different from the way we are already. That's the key. God has given you a limited free will okay God knows until we turn the reins of our lives over to him he can't have his way and he can't be for us and to us everything that we need him to be so we have to use our free will Uh, let me just explain what that means we have a, a limited free will that means that at any time God could MOVE IN, HE COULD STEP IN AND PUT A STOP TO WHATEVER IS GOING ON. HE COULD MAKE THE BAD STUFF GO AWAY, JUST LIKE THAT. NEVER COULD SNAP MY FINGERS. MANY PEOPLE HAVE TRIED TO TEACH ME, AND I CAN'T LEARN, SO DON'T TRY, DON'T COME UP TO ME AFTER SERVICE and SAY, I'LL TEACH YOU, BROTHER EDWARDS. GOD COULD THAT QUICKLY MOVE THE STUFF OUT OF YOUR LIFE THAT'S BOTHERING YOU. HE COULD HEAL YOU THAT QUICKLY. YOU'D BE LIKE A BRAND-NEW PERSON, WHATEVER IT IS. Uh, HE COULD but a lot of the times he chooses not to do that because he wants you to see that on your own you are going to struggle and fall but in him you will have strength and victory and power and glory and might his power his glory his might. now um Paul was buffeted by this evil spirit. And when he felt like he could no longer, uh, he couldn't stand it. I can't take this anymore. And we've all been there, right? He went to God and God reassured him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, there's a lot of different ways we can do this. There's a lot of different ways we can handle this when we're in a situation like Paul was. That Pepsi's tasting better and better all the time. Um, We can, and, and God help us, we do this sometimes. If we do, we need to ask God to forgive us when we recognize that we are immediately. We can sometimes blame other people for our circumstances. We can even blame God. Uh, you, you can become bitter. You can become resentful. You can give up uh, and end up fighting uh, against the feelings of depression, grit your teeth and strive to keep all the lids on the pots even though the heat is being turned up ever higher, or you can surrender complete control of your life. To God and let God take care of you you say pastor I've done that I've prayed I've said God I'm giving this to you I'm giving complete control over to you well if you haven't then God's going to let you know that you have not he's going to show you that area in your life where you're still trying to do it a different way than God's way When your way is different from God's. And and let me tell you something. It doesn't mean that you're some big sinner because you're doing that. We all face that temptation every day of our life. I face that temptation. You face that temptation. Every day I'm tempted. I'm given the choice of doing something. It may be small, but the small things lead to uh, bigger things. I'm I'm faced with a temptation every day. Of, of doing something different than the way God wants me to do it, of thinking about it different than God thinks about it, acting, responding to something that's going on in my life different than the way he wants me to. Paul said, you know what? I'm going to glory in those times when I'm feeling weak and when the, the, the messenger of Satan is buffeting me. If the devil's beating up on you tonight, You need to, I'm gonna have an altar call. We don't normally on Wednesday night, but uh, we're gonna have altar service. If the devil's beating up on you tonight, you need to come up here and just do nothing. If you don't do anything else, just praise God for it. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You need to come up here and say, God, I thank you for this junk that's going on in my life. Why? How can you thank God for it? Well, number one, because he commands you to. If there were no other reason for thanking him for it, that's reason enough out of obedience to God. But God doesn't make you uh, go through junk for no reason. He doesn't make you feel pain uh, just because he wants you to feel pain. There's always a reason that is attached to a blessing of you getting something good out of that if you'll do it God's way. So you need to thank God, say, God, I praise you for this junk that's going on in my life. I I may not know why it's there, but if there's something in me you want to change, show me what it is, help me to have the grace to change it. When we accept that, when we accept the fact that our weakness, that we really can't handle it on our own, that's when God goes to work. Praise God. That's when he sends encouragement. That's when uh, God begins to help you. And and, and he'll probably, most likely, not every time, he'll most likely show you something that you had no idea that's what the answer was. Or that's what he needed you to work on. Or that's where uh, he wanted you to focus right now. For some people... That's why your weakness is the only thing that's going to save you. God knows as our musicians come. God knows it's more important for you to be saved because that's talking about eternity, my friend. It's more important for you to be saved than it is for you to be comfortable in this life. It really is. Is there a thorn in your, in your life tonight? Uh, is, is it, uh, maybe it's something that, that would expose your deepest fear. I encourage you tonight, let it go. Release your fears to Jesus. He loves you. You're, you're, uh, you're and my total inability to work things out on our own. Uh, We need to give that to God. We need to submit to the will of God. And that's the only thing that's going to get us to heaven. Submitting to the will of God. Brother, did I give you uh, Isaiah? Is there one from Isaiah chapter 40? I love this verse, one of my favorites. The writer says, He giveth power power to the faint, and to them that have no might. He increases strength. He goes on to say, even young people are going to be faint, those that are supposed to be strong. And uh, the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord, what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Means you're going to fly. They shall run. You're going to run and not be weary. Sometimes you just need to walk. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes, my friend, you're going to get to the place where you feel so weak. And it's a place where you feel like nobody else knows what it's like. They not only know what you're going through, but they don't know what it's like to be this messed up. To have your life this messed up, that's a lie from hell. The Scripture says, there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. That means whatever you could go through or are going through, somebody else has already been through it. And what's more, they've been through it successfully. They beat it with God's help. Let me rephrase that correctly. God beat it for them because they allowed Him to go to work and beat it for them, and they made it through. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I'm going to believe God's faithful tonight as we stand together. God is faithful who will not allow, the scripture goes on to say, He's not going to allow you to face something that you're not able to bear. But will with the temptation... He will, with the storm, with the test, with the junk, however bad it may be, give you a way, the Bible says, of escape. See, every head is bowed and every eye closed. I want us to, before we come to the front, let's just think for a moment. Let's just think about this. God, what's going on in my life? Some of you may know, it might, <laughs> you've been thinking about it this whole sermon or Bible lesson, you know exactly what's going on, what the problem is, what the junk is, what the mess is. Some of you may have to dig a little deeper. But all of us have things in our lives that we wish were different, huh? Don't we? I want us to come in just a moment, find a place to pray and talk to God about those things. And let's pray this prayer. God, Show me what you want me to see if there's something I haven't seen yet regarding this predicament in my life that I'm going through. If there's something I hadn't seen about it, show it to me. Show it to me right now tonight. I want to get it handled. Now, for some others of us, you already know what it is you need to be doing different. And you know you haven't done it. This conversation with God that you're about to have, I hope, will go something like this. God, help me to make the changes you want me to make. Help me to surrender this part of my life to you that I haven't surrendered. Help me to do it your way. Now, we've all got considerable ammunition for our prayer tonight. This altar is open. Would you come right now and let's all talk to the Lord before we leave? before we baptize Tony tonight. Let's all talk to the Lord and say, God, not my will, but Yours be done. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1pm every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2pm. Also, we have an all church service at 6.30pm on Wednesday calvary church is affiliated with the united pentecostal church international thank you and have a blessed day